Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 92 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson, and I have with me, as always, Kurt Mortensen, who is locked and loaded with more power-packed tips for you today, as well as some mistakes that you need to avoid. Uh, these are mistakes that veterans typically make, so we'll be talking about that a little bit today. We went from 65 degrees and rainy to 90 degrees and not a cloud in the sky almost overnight, Kurt, which you love boating. So have you been out yet, or are you chicken? No, no, well, I guess you'd be chicken if the water temperature. I have been working on it, getting much closer. I'd say within a week, I'll have the lake therapy bug out of my system and ready for summer. Yeah, this is Kurt's you know, favorite thing in the whole world, from what I understand, is, is going out on the lake and wakeboarding and crashing, and, and that's fun. It's fun. It's good family time, good time to hang out. And then, uh, yeah, summer's finally here. It was weird, kind of. Warm in March, and then it got really cool and rainy, and then it's warm again. But, hey, we'll take it. Kids are out of school. Sun is out. Got to figure out the next step. But let's learn how to persuade and influence. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you, I mean, hold, hold the phone. So okay. can you can you actually wake surf yet? I've never been able to let go of the tow rope. I have. Ah, look I at have. that. Depends on the weight and how much water you're pumping into those tanks and how deep the water is. I found out that's a big factor. So the deeper the lake, the bigger the wake it pushes up. Oh, okay. So that makes a huge difference, and that's the new thing. Although I prefer the wakeboarding where you can get all that air, but a lot of people just sit and surf behind the boat without a rope, and they enjoy that too. Yeah, that's pretty fun. It's what he's talking about, everybody, is you can make the boat go really slow and the boat generates a wave very similar to an ocean wave. So you can just surf. So you're in Kansas or whatever where there is no ocean and apparently surfing. So that's the idea here. And it, it works really well. So the boats are designed a lot differently with the the weight and how fast they go. But, yeah, you can get your five-mile-an-hour wave to go on forever, and you can surf as long as you want, which sure beats the beach because you get one ride that lasts, what, 10, 15, 20 seconds. This can last forever. Yeah, and you just drift right back down into the water, and you're good to go instead of crashing into the sand and putting on a show for everybody on the beach, good which stuff. is what I do every time. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> we got to mock somebody, <laughs> and sometimes it's me. All right, that's that's my lot. Well, <laughs> we're gonna get, we're gonna kick off the show today, and I need Kurt to do his favorite thing in the world, other than boating, which is cue up the Urkel. All right, play a circle. <laughs> Urkel has weaseled his way into the show permanently. We'll never get rid of him. I love it. And this is a an interesting article. I'll post a link to it. It's posted on KSL.com, which is a local news source for us here. And it's entitled, One Sentence Can Make You Pay All Your Taxes. A bold claim. Yeah. And we've, we haven't made it any secret on our show that we have a mild disdain for the tax man. Uh, I think most people do. I don't know anybody that likes sitting down and writing their tax check and just says, gee, golly, that was fun. I loved it. Um, if you're that person, write into the show. Tell us how we can we can harness that inner joy for paying the tax man. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll ridicule you on the show. We'll add people who like paying taxes to the list of offended. 
So this was a study done uh, by the British government. Starling, I'm reading from the article here, Starling Discovery has its roots a few years ago when the British government was looking for a new fix to an old problem. A lot of people were not paying their taxes on time. Shocker. So it turned to a crack team of behavioral experts, psychologists, anthropologists, and other assorted PhD types for help. The team inserted one simple new line into a sampling of tax letters. Quote, the great majority of people in your local area pay their tax on time. Most people with a debt like yours have paid it by now. End quote. The line worked. On-time payments rose by more than 15%. If applied nationwide, the team estimated on-time tax payments would rise by $240 million. It's a pretty big deal to the government. You can put one cheesy line like that in the tax bills, and all of a sudden, the what's the law of persuasion here, Kurt, that gets people to just guiltily stroke the check? That'd be social validation. So we'll explain. What do we mean here? Why does that make me want to pay? Because it's not like anybody's looking over my shoulder. It's not like my neighbors know if I've paid or not. Or am I thinking thinking about it too much? Okay. Well, technical difficulties, everybody. You'll notice the audio quality on Kurt's ends a little different. We were talking about the tax man, and there was a technology meltdown on Kurt's end. Everything is just... brother, they're listening. Something's up. Something's up. So we wanted to continue talking about the article with the tax man because apparently this line about how your neighbors have paid taxes and you haven't makes people shake loose with their money. And you were saying that's social validation, correct, Kurt? Yeah, social validation. When you can say us, let's, most of us are doing it. We tend to follow that social norm, especially if we're thinking that most people aren't paying their taxes. There's just something about that validation. Even in the hotel industry, when they say... Let's save the environment. Let's not get clean towels. Let's use dirty sheets. Well, not in those words, but yeah, <laughs> they get more compliance when they use that. This is what most people are doing. Let's do it together type of a thing. It sounds like it's the same type of deal in the taxes. <laughs> yeah. I do roll my eyes pretty pretty heavily on those hotel signs of help us save the environment. You know, Keep your yeah, towels. That's when you call the BS meter. They're like, yes, we're saving money. We're millions of gallons. Shame on you for wanting clean towels and clean sheets. You're a bad person. I'm thinking, wait a minute. You're the one saving money, and you're putting it on me? (laughs) (laughs) You're tired of spending money on maid service and detergent and all that kind of stuff. It's Yeah, call it like it is. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Yeah, shame on you for wanting clean towels. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, okay, cool. So we're going to do things a little bit out of order today, not that it hasn't been already. Why don't we go ahead and cue up the Homer? Homer, go! Go, go, go! There's Homer, out of place, usually towards the end of the show. But we're actually going to do a a show about this specific blunder, because this is a problem that we see quite frequently, and Kurt's running into it doing some training for a company right now. And in this training, many of the people are new, and they follow his his counsel and his advice, and many of them are veterans, and they just know better, don't they, Kurt? They know better, but you know that's why you need a coach, because sometimes what you think you're doing right or wrong is very different, so another set of eyes and ears is helpful no matter where you're at, and if you're a veteran or a rookie, it's always good to get a little extra help. So what's this blunder, then? You, my understanding is that uh, a veteran committed this the other day, and it kind of brought everything back to your mind about something that's really important that we we need to discuss on the show. What specifically happened? And then let's dig into this because this is what we want to focus on for the show today. Well, there's actually multiple veterans that, and this could happen 
happened to all of us at any point in our sales career, persuasion careers, that you tend to hear the same objections and the same questions over and over again, and you have a great answer, and you cut them off, you interrupt them, which hurts your credibility, which hurts the flow of the conversation, which creates a little tension, and you got to be careful. It's the first time they voice that objection, and you've got to hear them out. You've got to listen to the whole thing before you respond. Otherwise, like I said, it damages credibility, damages the flow, it creates tension. And it's such an easy thing to get caught into that trap because we want to save time. It's good time management. Oh, I know the answer. Let's cut them, cut them off and go. And that one fix has really helped a few of the veterans to really increase their sales because they didn't even know they were doing it. Right, right. The rationale being that, oh, I'm a veteran. I've seen this a million times before. And so I can just go ahead and cut them off because I already know what they're going to say. And that might be the truth, but the main part of this process is the act of them being able to say it, correct? Yeah, and that could be happening conscious or subconsciously. I don't think they're really trying to cause this tension. But yeah, once they realize it was happening and they spent a few more minutes listening and pausing and replying to the right questions at the right time, made a big difference in the connection and the credibility and their close rate. Yeah. My wife and I are in the process of, of trying to get our, our 18 month old son to see an ear, nose and throat specialist. And we got referred to one that we've, we've heard good things about, but I was looking them up online to figure out some insurance things. And you, these people can leave comments about the, about the doctor online. And a lot of people said, well, he really knew what he's doing, but he didn't listen to us. And we just, we don't feel like he, he really understood the problem, and this is classic with doctors almost more than anybody, right? They go in there, here's the problem, and they don't realize that, that monitoring that bedside manner and the actual conversation with the patient, even though you completely know what's wrong, you might be able to diagnose it in 10 seconds, there is a process that the patient has to go through in order to feel like they've been given the best care and in, in order to feel satisfied. That's exactly right, and they could be right you know, most of the time when they do that, but again, if you haven't been listened to, if you felt like they've jumped the gun or they're trying to force something upon you, you're going to have the opposite effect. Early on in the podcast, we posted, and you can go back and scroll back while well, it's still free, because we're going to take uh, start cataloging episodes back into persuasion, or university persuasion, rather. But, yeah, that's great scarcity right there. We like that. Yeah, that's good. That's quality. And it's true because truth <laughs> makes great scarcity, like we've talked about so many times on the show. So we we posted a funny YouTube link, that video called uh, It's Not About the Nail. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. I, was, I like that one a lot. Yeah, that's a good one. Guys like it more than the women do, but I think the women can appreciate it. And it's a, go back and check it out, but it's essentially this camera angle of this woman talking about this this sharp stabbing pain that she has and the camera angle on her face is such that you can't see her forehead. You can just kind of see her eyes and, and her mouth as she's speaking. And it cuts away to this man who is just so frustrated with the conversation. You can tell he's beside himself and she just keeps talking about this pain. And then the camera zooms out and you see there's literally a big construction nail sticking out of her forehead. And he, he says, well, I, I it's the nail. And she, you know, the whole premise, it's not about the nail. And every time he tries to tell her, 
this pain you're talking about is because there's a, a piece of steel sticking in your head. She says, I don't want to talk about that. And it's, it's talk about feelings kind of a thing. <laughs> it's pretty funny. You could just Google. It's not about the nail. <laughs> it's not about the nail. And, you're in a relationship. It's worth watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And your prospects are, are going to be the not about the nail lady. A lot of times they've got to go through this. So you have to tell yourself that the best use of your time is to sit down and is to listen to the prospect. Your best, the best use of your time, this is counterintuitive, especially for you aggressive, you red personality types. You think it's going to be prescribe the solution ASAP and get out of here. That's not it. Sitting down yeah. and taking the time to listen is the best and, oddly enough, the most efficient use of your time. That's good time management because you're making more money and you're saving time in the long run. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, good. Good stuff, Kurt. So as you're training these veterans, there are some other common themes and common blunders that come out. What else do veterans get guilty of because they're comfortable, they've been successful, and they know everything already? Well, dare I say, too much product knowledge. <laughs> I mean, product knowledge is good. It's a good thing to have. It's a good thing to have in your toolbox. But not everybody needs to know every little thing about your product or service, and this can really come and bite you in the butt. So it's kind of like uh, Google, right? <laughs> Sometimes Google just knows too much. You ever, have you ever put something into Google only to have 10 million results come up that have nothing to do with what your real question was? Right. Well, that's an extreme example, but that's kind of what it is. When someone asks you, for example, does your product or service do this? Part of the training for the veterans is say, okay, let's practice. Say yes. Okay. They don't care how or why or the bandwidth or what needs to happen or the process or why it works. It's yes. Is this a fast car? Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> is this a bar, <laughs> car bowl of boat? Yes, it can. They don't need to know about horsepower. Now, they might. They might ask, and it's good to have that knowledge if they ask, but most people don't care. Just say, yes, it does, and move on. Don't explain the process or the technology or any of those things unless they really want to know. Otherwise, a confused mind says, no, it's too much information. It can really backfire on you. Right, because here's a huge surprise. If they really want to know, they'll let you know. <laughs> exactly, and you don't need to tell them everything. Car's a great example. You don't know how half that stuff works in your car. You just want to know that it works. You want to know the starts. You want to know that's fast. You want to know it's powerful. That's enough. You don't need to know about exactly the day of the invention of the internal combustion engine and the processes over the years. No. Yes, it's fast. Yes, it's start. Yes, it can pull about. I've heard salespeople say it like this, and, and I think it's a good way to quantify this and box it in. So the prospect's mind does feel satisfied because they need to go through these motions. Like, I've asked my questions. I've done my due diligence. They, they've got to feel like that was done. Now, some people take a lot longer <laughs> to do that than others. Uh, some people don't take very long at all. But uh, I've, I've heard people say something like, hey, as we talk about a car here, I'm going to cover some information for you. But do you have any specific questions that you came in here really wanting to know the answer to today. I want to make sure I cover that stuff for you. And well, uh, the the engine size and the power locks, and they're going to name off a couple of things. So all that information that you have about the interior and the DVD system and all that stuff, you don't, you don't need to bring it up. You don't need to hit that whole highlight reel of features that the car has. They just told you which ones you do need to hit. Exactly. And that's the key. When you can 
ask them a specific question to find out. Are they just throwing questions out there because they're supposed to? Are they legitimate questions? That way you can guide the persuasion process and really hit the nail on the head as far as what they really want, what they're really looking for. Because on the surface, they might not be quite sure exactly what they want, but your job as a persuader is kind of narrow that down to find out exactly what it is and put them into that product or service. You've run into this. I have too. This is why, everybody, we have that phenomenon in sales of beginner's luck. Right, A new salesperson comes on at the call center or at the dealership or in the office or whatever it may be, and sometimes they just go on a tear, and they don't know anything, and all the veterans are sitting around grumpy going, oh, that guy's just getting lucky. It's not so much luck. It's that he knows how to shut up, partly because... He doesn't have anything to say. <laughs> he doesn't know anything <laughs> about the product yet. So you've got to you've got to have that product knowledge. But man, you've just got to be able to control it because it's so rare that you actually need it in in that that in depth of a level. It's more about listening. That that just is ninety five percent of what you need need to accomplish. Exactly. If you truly listen, and great persuaders listen three times more than the average persuader. They'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them versus just throwing darts and hoping something will stick. You've got appointments later today. You've got a conference call. When are you going to interact with a prospect again? Or it's, it could be a spouse or it could be a friend, right? That should be your goal is, okay, I should listen about 70% of the time and only be talking about 30% of the time. Ask questions, get in depth, get them going, get them talking. That should be your goal. And I want to hear about it. Send your comments into MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. Let us know how it went when you deliberately focused on not doing the talking. Where did things go? Was it better? Was it worse? Was it the same? We want to hear about this kind of stuff. And, and I have a sneaky suspicion that most of the time it's going to be better. The only way it can be worse is if you just sit there like an idiot and nod your head and never say anything. All right, don't take it if that far. If you're putting far. in earplugs and pretending to listen, that's going to have the opposite effect. All right, you do have to say stuff. You do have to look like an intelligent human being. Now, some people, no matter how hard they try, can't <laughs> look like an intelligent this person. This is true. Yeah. Well, you know, another aspect of the knowing too much about your product or service is the law of verbal packaging about the words we use. A lot of times when you get stuck in an industry, especially high tech, we see this quite a bit. Telecom, we see this even in, in cars, is that we use the same words every day. And when someone else hears that word, it's actually they don't know what it means and they're afraid to ask what it means. Whether it's the size of the engine or any of those things, we tend to use a lot of verbiage that people have no clue what it means. They're afraid to ask. It makes perfect sense to us. We don't even think that we shouldn't use that type of a word, but that's a big one with vets because they're throwing words out. And you can tell on the other end, the person's a little confused, not sure what that means, but they don't always ask. Right, right. And I've seen that where what's going on in the persuader's head is they have to sound impressive. I need to show how much knowledge and I need to show how, how in-depth and how complex it is. And I'll use these words and they will be impressed. And that is such a faulty assumption that veterans make, right? And, and the way to do this, because maybe once upon a time this happened where a persuader was approaching things too simply, and they lost a sale because of it. But when somebody's knowledge of the jargon and of your industry is advanced, they're usually going to let you know, and you can adjust accordingly. But the best way to qualify this is to just say, hey, look, we're going to talk about this product, 
And I'm just going to be basic about it. I know sometimes people might know more, but I've just found that, you know, it never hurts to be basic. And if you want me to go faster or if you feel like I'm covering stuff that you already know, please let me know. And most of the time, they won't. Most of the time, they don't know anything. You do know yeah, so much more. Well, you can take the other side of that, too. Say, we're going to use some terms here. And at any time, if you're not quite sure, please interrupt me and ask me. I'd really want you to do that and give them permission to do that. That's the first thing. The second thing, when they do ask a question, say, thanks for stopping that door open, would be another way to handle that, to get them to ask. And so you don't take them down that road of confusion. Right. Right. And this is the big, a big deal in front of groups. We have a big group of people that we're presenting to or we're trying to persuade. And we're trying to make sure that those complex people that maybe have a lot of knowledge don't get bored. And it's the opposite. It's the opposite that we need to do. We need to talk down at the most basic level. And then we can say, for those of you that are more advanced, come see me after. Yeah, yeah, but you will not lose if you go to the most basic level. You will lose if you go to the most complex level because along the lines of what we talked about last week with ego, if you're talking very complex and using jargon, people think, I don't, I don't know anything. I feel stupid. I, I don't want to do business with this. You hurt the ego, right? But if somebody feels like, oh, well, I'm really smart. I already know all this stuff. What are they going to want to do? They're going to want to come talk to you. They're going to want to prove how smart they are after the fact. And then you can have a more customized presentation with that person because you, you can engage them on that level. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect sense, especially in a group situation. You've got to shoot down the middle even more to maybe the more basic side because if you start confusing people, then the doors of persuasion shut and you can't persuade them. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So anything else you want to add, Kurt, before we wrap it up for the day? The last one, a major veteran mistake I would put as Given too many options, here are the 77 mutual funds you should invest in. Here are the 14 choices that you have. Here are the 16 things you should do, and it's just too much for people. And we talk about confusing people. Give them one or two options. Be the expert. Tell them what they need to be doing. But a lot of times, the experts know so much. The veterans know so much. They can give so many options that it's just overwhelming for a lot of people, and it has the opposite effect. So I've seen that trend, too, also with veterans. Just way too many options. Two to three. They all work for you, easy to set up. Just don't give them any more than that. Yeah, yeah. They Like you said, the confused mind says no. Focus on two or three, and obviously you can strategically position the one that you think is the best. It uh, usually should be the last one, right? You could say, well, for people who really need a lot of what we're talking about, I would go with option A. Now, if you just want to be really basic, option B. Now, somewhere right down the middle, option C, uh, two or three isn't too much, but yeah, when you, when you start getting beyond that, you just uh, you turn them into jelly. <laughs> you can't do anything with that. There are countless studies. In fact, there was a study done with jelly at a supermarket where they said, "Here's 16 jams and jellies. Which one do you like best?" And then just like their eyes rolled back. You just human brain can't handle that. When they did, uh, I think it was three to five, something like that. More people purchased, more people liked it, and it just worked a lot better with a fewer. With yeah, fewer options. Yeah, when was the last time you saw one of those blind taste test commercials where there's 16 cups of something out in front of them? <laughs> All right, you're not going to remember that. And listeners, if you don't believe us, go smell perfumes and see how many you can smell before your eyes roll back in your head to realize, well, what would that one smell like? <laughs> the brain can't handle it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, maybe two. A after three, it's like, I don't even know what's happening anymore. <laughs> you just can't do it. <laughs> right. But... 
If my wife asks, I know exactly what one of them smelled like, right? I, I, I got to know. good purple packaging right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I liked the third one, you know, just the, the you know, that subtlety that it had to it. You know, you got to have some vague things that you can talk about because you really have no idea what you're saying. It sits well on my palate. Oh, I guess that's for something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> something else. But it works. It's yeah. the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, that sounds good. Well, all right. Let's hang it up for the day. Everybody, please send your feedback, your comments, your questions to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. You can listen to the show at MaximizeYourInfluence.com and see the links to the blog, the Not About the Nail. Uh, we'll make sure that we put that uh, in the blog entry for this latest episode, which is episode 92. And listen to us by subscribing on iTunes or the Windows Marketplace or via Stitcher Radio. We're happy to have you. Refer your friends. We'll keep cranking out shows. Like I said, and more data, more info, more stuff to come on University of Persuasion here within the next couple of episodes. Enjoy your summer. Have a great week. We will talk to you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Take care.